Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wondergold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham, alongside Anthony DeBundo, as we take you through match day three in the Champions League. But first, Wondergold is proudly presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up with code ACTION, you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 years or older to play. Must be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you know somebody who has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so it is just the two of us. Michael will be back in the host chair for our usual Thursday episode as we look at our weekend preview. But this is match week three in the Champions League. And quite honestly, Anthony, obviously outside of the group of death, which will always have some type of high-profile encounter, there aren't really that many big matches, quite frankly, in the Champions League this, this, this round of matches. So... We are going to go in chronological order to start here on Tuesday, and we will start with Galatasaray hosting Bayern Munich at 12.45 p.m. Eastern time. Galatasaray is a 6-1 to underdog on the money line. Bayern sitting at minus 225 with the draw at plus 400. A very interesting encounter here, given that Manchester United has gotten zero points from their first two Champions League matches, while... Bayern Munich is doing what they usually do and just never losing ever in the Champions League group stage. But honestly, a really, really big opportunity here from Galatasaray who can maintain that lead for second place and get us that two advance ticket. What are you seeing here in this very intriguing matchup? Bayern Munich is not playing to the level that I thought they'd be at the beginning of the season, to the level that you thought they might be because they added Harry Kane. They have not played at that level and really even close to it. Uh, they've had their fair share of like big blowout victories that have kind of inflated their numbers in the Bundesliga. But the week-to-week stuff from Bayern is just not that impressive to me right now. Like They had a, a solid away win against Mines where you know the total shot number was about even in the match. Uh, they conceded seven shots in the first half to Mines, a team that has been the worst attack in the Bundesliga by XG this season. Prior to that, you know, they play 
Copenhagen in what I thought was a really poor match from them on the road in the Champions League where they had less than one expected goal. They end up stealing it late because Musiala, you know, has like a moment of magic and, and shows his quality, but they couldn't do anything in the first half of that match, especially. Uh, and then, you know, you can even go back to their win against United, which I thought for large stretches of that match, United played really well. And given what we continue to see from United, you know, last weekend, in the Champions League against Galatasaray, for example. United still has not put together like a, a truly great 90 minutes. So I think, you know, are we really way too high on Bayern? And I think it's a very real possibility. Like right now, I still have them as the second best team in Europe. I'm not so confident in that anymore. Like I, I think that there's a very real chance that they're worse. And if you go just go back to like last season uh, when we had this conversation and they started to slow down in the second half and then they got really well handled by City in those two Champions League matches. I think that there's real cause for concern. So I, I think, you know, this has been the same Bayern core forever. Uh, pretty much the same players. You know, now they add Harry Kane. And the numbers, you know, uh, are not all that great. They, they're struggling in transition defense, as always, with the Kimmich Goretzka midfield. And that's where Galatasaray, I think, can find success here. So I like Galatasaray at home. I think they're live here. You know, they've been undervalued in my mind all of the matches. They had a little bit of a sloppy showing against Copenhagen, but looked really good against United, I thought. Played very well. And at home, catching a goal and a half, minus 135, like that is way too high on Bayern for me. This is a team that just laid two to Copenhagen and came nowhere close to covering it. So I think there's real holes with Bayern. I think this is a good look for them to be competitive here. Bayern, uh, you know, is in cruise control. And look, that's never stopped them from before from running up big scores. But again, uh, I just have my, my doubts about this Bayern team uh, as, a, as a unit who, who looks just a little bit shaky to me right now. So, you know, even, you know, the, probably the most impressive win they've had in the last month was the Freiburg game. But again, Freiburg was dealing with a ton of injuries that day. They were really shorthanded in their, in their front line. Uh, and, and so, you know, they dominated them, but it was not, you know, the, the best version of, of Freiburg. So I think that there's some real questions about Bayern that need to be answered. And, and, and as a result, I'm taking Galatasaray at home here. Yeah, I don't hate the plan that either. I mean, I have Bayern at minus 188. So you can make a case, obviously, for Galatasaray plus one and a half. Instead, I'm going to go over three and a half at plus 110. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head that Bayern, listen, if you go look at all their metrics, they're just number one in everything in the Bundesliga right now. So like... Uh, from an underlying perspective, when they're averaging, you know, 2.7 next G per 90. Now, you know, five of that came against Bochum. So uh, numbers tend to get a little inflated. But yeah, that match against Copenhagen wasn't that great. They were very sloppy. Copenhagen was good structurally in the middle of the pitch. But that's not something that Galatasaray really is. Galatasaray wants to play open matches. They want to play transitional vertical football. And you saw that against Manchester United, where they were completing a ton of long balls into wide areas, which is something I think they can really do well here against Bayern because what Tuchel has done is he's transitioned Bayern into a box midfield. And it's, you know, obviously caused them to play through the middle of the pitch a lot easier. Harry Kane's obviously an incredible forward at dropping back, receiving the ball, holding up the ball, which has allowed the attackers to invade the box and really made Bayern good at creating a boatload of chances. But when you play a box midfield, you're also very, very compact. So when you lose the ball, where is the open space? It's in the wide areas, which is something Galatasaray can really take control of. Bayern's allowing a 50% pass completion rate on long balls. It's kind of middle of the pack in the Bundesliga. And given the opponents that they've played so far this season, you know, I don't think they've really played an opponent like to, that is very unique, like the way Galatasaray is, or at least plays to the level that they do. And with the high line that they're going to play, I mean, Galatasaray, what do they love to do? They just love to make runs off the bat, off the opponent's back line. And Cardi did that time and time again against Manchester United. So a good tactical matchup here for Galatasaray. I really worry about them defensively, though. I mean, they were very open against United and very not good in the center of the pitch. So Bayern could play right through them time and time again. And quite honestly, this has the makings of a 4-3 thriller, similar to what United and Bayern Munich played. So I projected 3.8 goals for this match. So over three and a half at, at plus 110, I think has a decent amount of value. But yes, the value is also, if you want to play a side, is definitely on Galatasaray. All right, let's move on to the other. Well, we're going to pass on the other 1245 match between Inter and Salzburg. None of us have anything there. Let's move on to... Well, I'll just make sure. a quick comment. Like The market is really in love with they this are. Inter team right now. And uh, it's moved toward them a bunch in the last... A uh, few weeks. That was especially true in the match against Benfica. You know, we talked about them on this pod 
uh, we did a Sunday night pod. It was minus 120. And we, we were all like, that's a little short, starting to get a little expensive at 130. I woke up the morning after when the pod had been released. You know, limits go up and, and the market starts to move more like Monday and Tuesday ahead of the Champions League. And they were up to like minus 160 and ended up closing minus 180 in that yeah. game. So I think there's real uh, love for this inter-team. And, and look, I agree with it entirely. I think this Salzburg team is not a great matchup going to Inter because they want to press and Inter's best skill is ability to play through pressure on the ball. Like it's what they're very good at when they want to be. And I think that the Salzburg team runs into a potential issue there uh, trying to press them. So I, I think it's not a great stylistic matchup, but again, like, uh, am I going to go lay the, the big, you know, goal here uh, going a half? No, yeah. I'm not. So uh, I'm passing. Yes, I am passing as well. And let's move on to a game where let's just say we're going to be on opposite sides here. Sevilla hosting Arsenal. Sevilla's plus 320, Arsenal's minus 120, and the draw is at plus 280. I'll let you do your little song and dance. You can tell everybody why Arsenal is going to get relegated because their offense is so bad. How Sevilla suddenly is going to make all these wonderful defensive adjustments and certainly turn into some type of juggernaut. I'll be on Arsenal, but you won't. Yeah, look, uh, it's really interesting because we kind of just had a really fun double header because Real Madrid just went to Sevilla in the league. And look, BJ hates Sevilla and loves him some Arsenal and bet Real Madrid this weekend as well. And, and I, 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 couldn't, won. I couldn't quite get there. I thought about it myself, but uh, they fire Mendili Bar yeah. and they bring in Alonso. And so, you know, how many times can Sevilla run back <laughs> the old trick where they're just like, let's fire the manager, bring somebody new in, bring some new ideas in and see if it works. I don't know. I think it's a really interesting, you know, situation. The whole the old new manager bounce thing and like, you know, we we've talked about this on the show that like more often than not, it is just a matter of like team runs cold, fires manager prematurely, brings in new manager, not much actually changes, but they just run better and thus it gives the illusion of better results. But this Sevilla team like what they're able to do uh defending without the ball, I think is effective. Their 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 crossing numbers like Arsenal's the thing that bothers me with, with Arsenal is that Arteta has now become overly obsessed with the control. And it's very evident if you watch Saturday against Chelsea, if you watched you know other matches they played this season, they have sacrificed an attack and become a very boring watch. They're not an exciting team. And I don't think Saka's fully fit. That's one of the biggest things here. If you watched on, on Saturday, like the biggest takeaway was Mark Kukurea completely shut down Bakayo Saka. And look, I... I love Sokka. I'm not the biggest Kukurea guy. That was kind of shocking, the fact that Sokka couldn't get by him repeatedly in one-on-one situations, and how quickly the Arsenal attack just kind of falls apart once they don't have the the dynamic wing play. Like, the, the stuff through the middle with Rice and Odegaard has not been clicking. They have not gotten enough box entries from the middle. Uh, Odegaard's numbers have, have fallen off a little bit this year. Uh, and so all of this, you know, slow possession and... Let's grind this game down. That's what Sevilla's good at. That's like the only thing they're good at. And so I think this plays well into their matchup here. Uh, you know, I am, I am I excited to bet Sevilla here? No, but I, I will do it because catching a half a goal at home against what I think is still an overvalued Arsenal side is enough for me uh, to bet. Here's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I get the concerns with, with the Arsenal offense here. I mean, averaging 1.35 non-penalty XG per 90 in the Premier League when you're supposed to be a title contender is a tad concerning. Although Arteta has been rotating quite a few attackers up there. He's been trying to cater quite a bit up top. Finally on Saturday, he just went back to the tried and true front three that brought a lot of success over, you know, stretches of last season because Jesus was injured for a good stretch there. But if Sevilla, it's interesting what Sevilla is going to do here because they've shown time and time again that they can press high, but they just continue to leak goals left and right and left and right. And they're not good in the center of the pitch. They're trying out two, you know, Bubakar Samare, former Leicester midfielder. He's barely featured for them this season. Like he's now we're bringing in a new manager, by the way, Alonso, this is his first ever job in Europe. He's only been managing in uh, Mexico and South America. And then obviously the Uruguayan national team. He set him up in a 4-3-3 against Real Madrid. I mean, Madrid missed three huge chances uh, against them. So I'm not going to take 
Game was pretty even though. They played they well. They did play game. all right. But again, the defense continues to leak goals and goals and goals. And so in this type of situation where Arsenal is still an, an unbelievable defensive team. Like that's the, my biggest takeaway is like, yes, they made some mistakes and build up that gave Chelsea a few chances, but Chelsea outside of the penalty created 0.6 XG from open play. Like, that was it. Then one shot with an XG rating over 0.1. So Arsenal can defend exactly what Sevilla likes to do. They are second in the Premier League and crosses allowed into the penalty area. Gabriel, if Gabriel went healthy, is one of the best aerial defenders in the Premier League. They can defend Sevilla of what they like to do. Now, the question is, can Arsenal get the goal to cover this? I believe they do. And I believe that their style of play can frustrate Sevilla to the point where they will come out of their low defensive block and try to press Arsenal because they've seen teams turn over Arsenal and build up play. And the other thing that I would love to see Arteta do is maybe not start Jorginho in the middle of the pitch, maybe start Kai Havertz or start party and allow either one of there be rice or averts to get forward from that eight role and help Odegaard alongside of that. So I think that's what can help Arsenal in this type of situation. Now, Martinelli obviously being healthy on the left and we'll see what Saka getting in those one V one situations. If Arsenal wants to overload the middle of the pitch is going to be key because Sevilla is not great defending in wide areas. So that's where Arsenal can create those chances. Um, the concern now here's the real, here's my real concern with Arsenal. And it's kind of a concern I have when Tottenham likes to play low block teams. They haven't played a really really good one yet. Um they just don't have the aerial threat in the middle that if the teams want to play compact that they can just swing the ball into and and head the ball in the back of the net. Gabriel Jesus just isn't that type of guy. So if teams want to play compact against them, that is the concern for here for Arsenal. But Sevilla again, for we're going on two years now where they've conceded over 1.4 XG per 90 in the lowest scoring league in Europe. Like that is really, really concerning. And it has not fixed through the fourth manager in a little over a year. So I get the new manager bounce, but I mean, I'm projecting Arsenal at minus 176. So it's a very big projection edge for me uh, with a, a Sevilla team that yet has been a negative expected goal differential team for a long time now. So um, Arsenal minus 120. For me, on the money line. No, I don't think it's that different from the Lawn spot. I mean, Lawn was playing terribly. They were at the bottom of Ligue 1. It's a home Champions League match. They're going to be up for it. And I just think, like, I the think Lons Arsenal would be nothing. better if they took more chances in possession, but they're not doing it. But Lawn's so, did nothing in that let's match. Let's see what happens. Like, they created .7. They didn't do anything. And they did a lot of last-ditch defending at the end. But they got quite fortunate to keep out Arsenal from scoring twice. So, we'll see. I, I think you're overblowing it a bit, but I also am biased. So... I've been so you, that in the past. you, the listener, can decide who you want to side with in this match. Um, unfortunately, we're going to be aligned on pretty much everything else. So that's going to sad, you know, for entertainment purposes, not going to be great. But let's move on to another Tuesday match. Let's go to Braga. Speaking of Real Madrid, Braga hosting Real Madrid. Braga's plus 525. Real Madrid sitting at minus 225. With the draw at four to one, I know you have nothing on this match, which I'm kind of surprised because I think you've faded Real Madrid in what every match this season so far, um, except for the one where they didn't exactly. win. Um, I, yeah. the, I I do lean toward the under here. Uh, like this Braga team has run so good uh, overall, uh, and and even in their last you know match, getting a couple bangers, goal of the, of yeah. the season in Champions League season from from uh, from FIFA 14 legend yep. Bruma. But uh, yeah, I'm not too. Uh, too keen on this spot for Real Madrid. I think it's it's a tricky one, but uh, I, I don't want to bet Braga either. So it, this is a pretty relatively easy pass. If Real Madrid gets an early one, I will be looking for live unders, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to play this one. Yeah, I do like Braga plus one. Uh, best price you can find is plus 108 on that. So what I think they can do a really good job of here is that one of the weird things about Real Madrid this season is they've allowed the most crosses to be completed into their penalty area of anybody in La Liga. That's a, kind of a concerning uh, thing, especially when you're facing a Braga team that is very good in wide areas, and that's where they want to attack. They played a 4-4-2. They want to get the ball out in wide areas for those quick transitional attacks, send their fullbacks high. They've completed the most crosses of anybody in Portugal. And speaking of a spot, Portugal was off this weekend. So they have had the international break, a full week, and now they get to play Real Madrid. So they can gear up for this one fully rested, fully fit. 
And I think it's a good opportunity for them here to maybe steal a point against a Real Madrid team that, you know, it's it's very interesting what they're going to do this entire season just without uh, a true striker. And if Bellingham is really just going to continually save them over and over and over again. But hey, you know what? It may work. Um, but in this spot, I think there is some value on Braga. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's move on. Neither of us have anything in Union Berlin and Napoli. I'll tell people out there, if you follow my projections, I do project value on the under and uh, and on Union Berlin, but a lot of that is prior year data from what we saw last season. I don't think I would play that if I was anybody uh, either of those, I was projecting value on the draw and maybe I'll just do that for the fun of it, but I don't really see much value uh, in that in Union Berlin or, or Napoli. Um, it, it is amazing. We, we should talk about Union Berlin yes. briefly. Uh, they have lost eight straight matches. <laughs> just this is, this amazing. Is, uh, I mean, and I have bet against them in, let me see, uh, none. Of those eight <laughs> matches. So that's the kind of year it's been for me. Uh, you know, we, we talk about this team being a fraud and like the market knew. Yeah. The market's yeah, not know. that dumb. Like they knew that they were fraudulent. So there's not a ton of value in going against them usually. Uh, there have been a couple favorite spots where they got beat. Uh, you know, Hoffenheim, Heidenheim, etc. But this weekend against Stuttgart, another like, okay, we had a bad run. We come back from the break. We're at home. Uh, and we put in a total dud and get blown off the field by Stuttgart. Like it was really yeah. bad. And so... Yeah, you know, the defense has fallen off and the attack's always been bad and now the defense isn't good enough to hold up. So, you know, we talked about attacking regression with this team for so long and like they can't run this good, but the reality was like their defense probably wasn't going to stay as like the best in the Bundesliga either. Uh, And so that has not lasted and they have predictably fallen, but, you know, good for them getting in the Champions League. They're going to be out here and this is the all-in spot, right? Like you lost your first two matches you're at home against Napoli. You have to get a result here. You're pretty much done for the group. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I still don't think you can really trust them to score against what is an elite, elite Napoli defense who will give them nothing yeah. uh, in this match. So, uh, yeah. It's a tough spot, yeah. So I'm passing as well. Uh, let's move on to Benefica Real Sociedad. I am passing on this match. Benefica is a plus 115 home favorite. Sociedad sitting at plus 240 with the draw. Also plus 240, but you love our boys from Sociedad here. Yeah, I do. Look, you know, if you follow me in the action app, they, you know, the Champions League, they opened up openers uh, at the end of the last match week, and, and uh, Sociedad was plus a half, minus 110, uh, you know, with Benfica opening minus 110. That implies that Benfica is a better team than Real Sociedad. Don't think that's the case anymore. And Benfica can do whatever they want in these European and these Portuguese matches, like their numbers in Portugal are, are still fine. Um, they beat Porto. They had a, a good win. Um, you know, they, they're still, you know, just one loss in the league, but like this defense has now conceded 3.3 to Salzburg. Okay. There was a couple penalties in there, but like we gave away a penalty because we had to clear the ball off the line from going in stuff. And then 3.8 to enter in a game. They could have lost by five. If Lotaro had a better finishing day. Uh, it was like Lotaro ran really hot, had one horrible game, and it all came against this Benfica team. Their defense is really, really alarming, and it's something we we picked up on even looking at the Portuguese numbers before the turn before the tournament even started. We were like, wait a second, like they're conceding way more than they normally do in the past. 
in this early Schmidt ball team. And now you want to press a team who is also very used to this style of play, who's very comfortable in this kind of game. So look, I don't have a huge gap here. The market, I don't think has downgraded Benfica enough. I think everything we said about them, you know, and we've been wrong about a lot here. One thing we were definitely right about is that Benfica is a fraud. And so I'm going to play against them again here. Like I said, though, the market is getting a little bit steep now. You got to lay, you know, 130 on the plus a half. So it's starting to get out of the range of where I would play it. But certainly like the side on Sociedad here, who, you know, that result against Inter, where they completely outplayed them the entirety of the match, is looking better and better with every time, every Inter dominant win that they have in Syria and, and Inter dominating Benfica. Like that result to me, I know. Uh, you know, with Taram being out, it wasn't a great spot for Inter because they, they kind of rotated a little bit, but that performance is really aging well for them. Uh, and and the other thing about Sociedad is, you know, they rest Kubo uh, over the weekend. So, you know, they're doing a, a clear job here of trying to keep everybody rotated and fit. And I think a lot of it is like, we want to put out our best team in the Champions League. And look, through two matches, they've done that. And they had two really good performances uh, at Salzburg winning there and, and dominating Inter at home. So they're they're managing their competitions. They're a team that is heavily reliant on having two or three attackers who can do a lot of the work because they're not going to commit a lot of numbers forward. And so who the attackers are make a big difference, but I expect Kubo to play. So I like uh, Sociedad here. Yeah, he came on in the uh, 60th minutes against Mallorca this weekend. So he's definitely fully fit to play. So yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely don't have to pay the spot. Obviously you got to pay a little bit of more juice for it now, but yeah. Obviously, this Benfica team is is a tad fraudulent, and and most likely probably probably going to drop down into the Europa League uh, at this stage. Um, it, it, I mean, they, they could, they, could. they definitely they could. I mean, Salzburg obviously beat them on the first day, so um, obviously has that advantage over them. Um, let's move on to the rest of Tuesday. United Copenhagen. I don't have anything for this match. I'm potentially maybe looking at over three. Uh, it's currently at plus one hundred four. It's interesting. Casemiro is questionable to play in this match, and they may rest him with the Manchester Derby coming up this weekend. Um, and obviously, the Manchester <laughs> we don't need to get into Manchester United. We'll save that for the Derby. Uh, Can they rest him? I, that's the thing is like I they're mean, gonna have to. They're going to it. have to play McTominay. So uh, that might, which be, an might be an upgrade at this point. I don't know. And you know, it was encouraging. Like you know, it was encouraging what Copenhagen did against uh, Bayern Munich. Um, but again, United wants to play a lot more transitional, a lot more open at this stage. They're not playing this like stranglehold possession style right now. So Copenhagen could have some really good chances in transition, um, which I think could create a very back and forth type match. And it's obviously away from home now. So they don't have the the aid of the crowd um, with them home defensively. But one more in the final match of Tuesday, I have something for this match. Lens against PSV. Lens is a plus 137 home favorite. PSV plus 187 with the draw at plus 260. I like PSV. I like them draw no bet at plus 118 is the best price you can find right now. Here is the thing. I'm not so sure that Lens should be a favorite at home here. The underlying metrics for Peter Boss's team in the Netherlands has been unreal. Plus 21 expected goal differential in nine matches. They're averaging over three expected goals per 90. Now, to be fair, they haven't played Feyenoord. They haven't played Ajax. They haven't played anybody good. But putting up those type of numbers is very, very impressive. And the last match against Sevilla, they throttled them. Expected goals was 2.6 to 1.3. Box entries and shots were both 25 to 10. Completely dominant match at home. Now they're going on the road here to France. And... Listen, Lens has had this really meteoric rise where they went up to second place. You know, they overperformed all their defensive metrics. They play a very unique style, you know, a 3-4-3 where they want to get out and really create overloads in the wide areas and create a lot of chances via crosses. Um, That's all well and good. But again, they've lost their best two players. Their underlying metrics now in France have not been good through nine matches. Only a plus one expected goal differential, not the plus, you know, 0.6 XG differential per 90 that they were last year in France. And the one thing that they've been struggling with defensively this season is set pieces. They're third to last in XG per set piece allowed. PSV is the most efficient set piece team in the Netherlands. They are, you know, they obviously have a ton of attacking talent. And here's the last point I want to make just from a mathematical standpoint. Based on UEFA coefficients, Netherlands is rated higher than France right now. Now, 
to be fair, you know, per transfermarket.com, total league transfer value, France is well above the Netherlands. But the point is, is that these two leagues are really not far off from each other right now. And even per transfermarket.com, PSV has a higher squad transfer value than Lens. So I really think they are a better team, given their underlying metrics have been a goal better per 90 domestically in the Netherlands versus what Lens has done in France. So I had PSV as a road favorite here. So I like them draw no bet at plus 118 in a very desperate spot for them because they only have one point through two matches and they really, really need a result here. So PSV draw no bet at plus 118. Yeah, it, PSV, you know, was a team that I, I came in on this was like, yeah, you know, I think the market's a little bit higher on their attack than I am, but uh, the production they're getting from like Long and them has been really impressive. Mm-hmm. So uh, through two matches, they've created a good number of chances. I know Arsenal beat the hell out of them in that game, but they they, they were able to get a decent number of, of threatening opportunities that didn't really result in a ton of chances, but was like dangerous. Uh, and then the the lens match, like I thought, that, uh, or excuse me, not the lens match, the uh, Sevilla match, like, yes, they created a ton of chances and didn't ultimately get through. Now, some of that did come really late. So it was like desperation type stuff, like the last, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. But even early on in that game, like they ended up north of 20 shots. So, this this attack that I was kind of like, eh, I don't really know about it. Uh, it seems to be better than maybe I thought. So uh, no, yeah, no play for me here. But you know, if you made me bet it, I would look toward the under. I still don't really trust this lens goal scoring situation. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to Wednesday. Let's start with, well, let's just start in the group of death. PSG taking on AC Milan. PSG is minus 138. AC Milan plus 350 with the draw at, plus 300. I'm passing on this one. I'm pretty close to where the market is. It's kind of interesting. You know, we watched Newcastle just completely dismantle PSG's buildup play. That's not what Milan's going to do. They're going to play much more passive in this type of match. So it's kind of interesting to see if basically can PSG break that, break that low block down and how good are they going to be defending in transition against Leao and Pulisic and company. So I am passing, but you potentially maybe like the total here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take another PSG under. Hopefully it goes better than last time. Look, I, the matchup is totally different from PSG going to Newcastle and PSG hosting Milan, right? So Milan is very comfortable defending without the ball. They're very comfortable out of possession, not taking a ton of chances to press and giving PSG the ball in those final third areas. Now, you know, I think what I was wrong about was, you know, just how high Newcastle would press and beat the hell out of PSG and force those high turnovers. Also, yes, Newcastle scored four goals on like 1.2 XG. So, you know, spare me. But the, Milan is not going to do any of that to try to disrupt or bother the PSG possession. Uh, they have the midfield athleticism and the defensive ability, I think, to not be completely overwhelmed by Kylian Mbappe. So that's a, that's a nice positive. Um, they've defended against world-class talents effectively in you know their matches against Napoli, for example. Uh, and so I don't think they're going to get totally overwhelmed here. Milan, you know, comes off of a Sunday turnaround, so not great. They're going to have one less day to, to get ready for this. But I think the biggest thing is that Enrique has shown us time and time again who he is and what he wants to be. And I think it's a very capable defensive team. He is not going to let Liao get any opportunities in transition. They're going to, you know, be almost doubled up on him. Uh, Hakimi's athleticism, I think, is really important here. He's not like known for his defense first, but just his pure athleticism is a major key for them defending against Liao up that left wing. And look, Milan is not taking any chances. Their their attack is basically built off of the fact that Christian Pulisic has had a really hot finishing run to start his career. He scored some really nice goals. And the fact they've gotten a handful of penalties. That's been their entire attack in Serie A. And in what's happened in the Champions League, they had a good performance in the first game against Milan, but I mean, nothing in the Dortmund game. It was a just a dead rubber uh, for large stretches with no real big scoring chances created. So, you know, you look at Milan's numbers, and, and I want to talk about Pulisic especially. The attack is built on Liao, right? Liao's the guy. He's the one they're relying on to bring the ball into the penalty area. It's why they're really good at uh, you know progressive dribbles and, and progressive carries in the box. It's basically just, we have Liao. Pulisic has, has managed 13 shots in 900 minutes for Milan this year. It's bad. That's like less than one and a half shots per 90. Uh, and Giroud's numbers are okay, but they're not taking chances on the third guy in the box. And I don't think you're going to see a ton of Teo Hernandez overlaps here because, again, 
Pioli is not going to take chances. At a certain point, you know, is six draws going to be enough for Milan to get out of this group? Because it feels like they're playing for six draws. But uh, I, you know, I think this is not the spot away against PSG where they're going to have to take chances. I think the goal is stay in this group as long as possible. And so, you know, with the under two and a half at plus money, I think it's a little high. Um, so that's that's where I would look here uh, in that one. You know, the defense for Milan is still very, very good. You know, they concede 0.3 to Newcastle, 0.6 to Verona, 0.9 to Cagliari, 0.5 to Lazio, less than one to Dortmund, 0.5 to Genoa. Like this is a elite defense because they don't let you have uh, odd man opportunities against them. And PSG has one guy who can destroy anybody, but they're also very happy to just take a thousand passes and not do anything with the ball. So I think this plays out to be a lower event match. I agree. All right, let's move on to the other match in that group. Newcastle hosting Dortmund. Newcastle's minus 138. Dortmund's plus 350 with the draw at plus 280. Newcastle has taken some money here. Um, They're starting to get a little bit high uh, in the market. And I think the way that you're going to play this is the way to play a Dortmund team that is a little fraudulent. Yeah, I mean, look, Dortmund has has gotten by, but... Uh, you know, their their numbers don't look that bad. If you just pulled up like the Borussia Dortmund page and you said, okay, what's their XG against of late? You'd be like, well, it's not that bad. Uh, they've had some good moments, but they're entirely built on like playing nobody. <laughs> I mean, this is their Bundesliga schedule. Cologne, Bochum, Heidenheim, Freiburg, Wolfsburg at home, Hoffenheim, Union Berlin, Werder Bremen. That's like two above average teams. Maybe like it depends on what you think of Freiburg and I don't think Freiburg's great. So they have not played any of like the big five, six teams uh, in, in the Bundesliga this year. Uh, and they are still kind of lagging behind defensively in their metrics. And on paper, they just don't look like a good defensive team. There's no ball winning in the midfield. Um, and so I think that this is the kind of team that gets absolutely trucked as soon as they go to Newcastle. Uh, now I think Newcastle is actually a little bit inflated here. Like I think the numbers, kind of where I would make it in terms of just like true team strength. But in when Dortmund faces the press with the quality that Newcastle has and the physicality, are they not going to wilt? So I think if you want to play this, it's Newcastle alts, you know, search like one and a half. I think minus one and a half is the best way to play this uh, because they're good front runners. They're very good from in front. And when Dortmund does have to start taking chances if they go down early, all of a sudden they're in big trouble because that's where Newcastle's at their best. Uh, and And look, we talked about Newcastle. We said, what's wrong with them after like four matches? They now have the best expected goal differential in the Premier League. Created the most big scoring chances too. And they've created the most big scoring chances. Like they put two, two and a half XG on Palace, who's like a very good defense. And that's, and, and that's, uh, and that just highlights your point, right? Because a team like Palace is very, very good from even game states you're playing from a, from a lead. But suddenly when they fall behind and they have to come out of this defensive structure... Newcastle is a team that is, again, I've said this like a million times about Newcastle and what makes them so good is that they are one of the best transitional teams in the world. And suddenly you are stuck in a match of, unless you're able to hand them the ball and dare them and be good enough, solid enough defensively to keep them out and dare them to break you down, like from a slow buildup perspective. If you want to just play transitional back and forth with them, they'll rip you apart again, time and time and time again. And like you said, when they're front runners, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's it's close to you know a plus one and a half to call it to two XG differential per ninety um, this this season especially. It's um, it gets really really bad for some of these teams and Dortmund, especially what we saw on the road against PSG. I mean they got trucked by them in Paris. Like that was a really really bad performance for them. So you know I projected Newcastle at minus one twenty five. So I'm right in line here with the market is. So I'm with you if you're somebody who wants to really wants to bet this match because it's a, it's one of the bigger matches on Wednesday. Just take Newcastle minus one and a half. All right, let's move on. Should we, should we take two and a half too? Like, half. To, you know, just for the, the I, I think the Dortmund team is so, I, I do not believe yeah. them to be any good. I, I will take that like outplayed by Milan. Uh, you know, it was kind of a dead rubber, like I said, but like they were outplayed. Uh, and, you know, like, PSG never broke a sweat. I mean, in that they just game. killed them. Like even like even their counter pressing was just destroying Dortmund. Like they couldn't play the ball at their own end. So couldn't keep the ball. They couldn't keep right. the ball. So like what's going to happen yeah. here it, against it, like one of the best pressing teams in the world? So 
Yeah, like like P- so so you know PSG will press you and, and win the ball off you, but then they will keep the ball and do yeah. nothing. That's why that game kind of played out a little dead. Mbappe was really bad. Colmuani, uh, I thought, played poorly. Newcastle will win the ball off you, and then within ten seconds, the ball's in your goal. Yeah, and so I think that's the the biggest thing here. And and like, look, you know, we have to respect the fact that a plus one point one xg difference team in the in the Premier League, at, which is actually better than they were yeah. last year. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy given the situation. Like the fact that it's the, like they're getting less from Wilson and still been better. Um, the midfield is, is is really good at getting forward. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Still, Still good. a very, very Bad good class. team. Um, all right, let's move on to... Oh, this is going to be a fun one. Feyenoord hosting Lazio. Feyenoord minus 118, Lazio plus 280 with the draw, plus 300. We're both on the same side here. It's all about the Nord in this match. I mean, if you had Atleti a couple weeks ago, like, send me the lottery numbers. <laughs> that was incredible. I mean, Oblak was unbelievable in that game. Uh, Atleti scores because the guy faked being offside and then, you know, it fell to Griezmann and he finished it like fine. You know, Atleti was clinical and Feyenoord had a ton of chances. O'Block was on his head, but like, again, Feyenoord's just a much better team. They're playing at home and Jimenez is back. That's all I need. Lazio had a really impressive performance. Like I actually had to bump them over the weekend. They pretty much swept aside to Swolo on the road, which is like a good road win and meaningful, but an average Serie A team on the road, and I get to fade them with like a minus 115 money line. Yeah, Feyenoord. And look, you can get them to advance still at, at a pretty good plus money price because they they lost that mm-hmm. Atleti match and because Lazio scored late against Celtic on the road in a match they did not deserve to win. They were outplayed at Celtic. Um, you know, I, this is like, if you listen to this podcast, I don't need to go on and on about how average Lazio is. Uh, Feyenoord is the team always. We back our Nord. Mm-hmm. Uh, at home especially. So, you know, uh, I'm hoping they don't win by too much because I want to get a good number in the return game in two weeks. Uh, Because if we win by three, then we probably won't get a good number to back them. But, you know, if I can get plus a half going at Lazio, I'm going to hop in in two weeks again as well. I just think it's crazy. Here's what Lazio has done against good competition this season. Against Napoli, 0.6. Juventus, 0.6. Madrid, 1.2. 1.5 of that was on the goalkeeper header in the last ditch. So really under one expected goal against Monza. Who's a halfway decent team. One expected goal. Torino 0.9 Milan 0.5 Celtic 0.7. And yes, they had good performances against Atalanta and Sassuolo. Feyenoord outside of a couple uh, garbage time uh, matches early on in the area of Ise, They have not allowed anybody to create over one expected goal against them. And really from a stylistic standpoint, you know, sorry ball, what does he want to do? He wants to play through the ball in the middle of the pitch, you know, very short combination passes, moving the ball forward. And what does Slot love to do? He loves to press you high relentlessly and not allow you to do that. So this is a really a match that can get out of hand very, very fast for Lazio if they continually to try to play out of the back. So I agree with you. I love Feyenoord here. I think this is a fantastic spot for them. I'm going to bet them to advance uh, as well. That's what I really, that's literally what I said before the, before the, in our futures episode, I said, wait until after the first two matches without Jimenez. And then, you know, now we're in a situation where you're still getting them at plus money. So uh, yes, Feyenoord, they're obviously, you know, obviously being at home is a, is a big key here, but I mean, they're, they're right up there with PSV. They've like the plus 20 <laughs> expect a goal differential in the area to be say through nine matches. Like they're just hammering teams left and right. So um, still a very, very good team. So both aligned on Feyenoord. All right, let's move on to this Atleti fraud. <laughs> Celtic. Unbelievable win against taking Vigo. Taking on Atletico Madrid, a very deserved 3-0 win for them against Vigo over the weekend. Uh, Celtic, well, plus two, the XG, then, yeah. Celtic plus 260. Atletico Madrid minus 106. The draw at plus 280. I pass on this one. I think the price is right on Atletico. Um, very difficult environment they're going to go in to play against Celtic. So I'm staying away from this one. But can you stomach a bet on Celtic, Anthony? This is the build your courage bet of the yeah. week. We we joke about this, but like genuinely, I haven't decided yet if I want to bet them. Everything in my brain and my head and even my heart <laughs> tells me I should do it. But my gut says that this bet loses in hilarious yep. fashion. And so I've had so many of those go go against me in the last two weeks that I'm I'm kind of I'm contemplating the meaning of life. But 
like Atleti this weekend, and most people probably didn't watch the epic clash between Atletico Madrid and Celta Vigo over the weekend. But let me enlighten you. Uh, the first half of the game, first 30 minutes, was total domination from Vigo. And there wasn't like huge chance after huge chance. They weren't like carving them open. But the first 25 minutes of the match, the total shot count prior to the red card was 7-1. to one. Uh, They had one chance, and that was it. Uh, Griezmann to Samuel, that was it. Then there's a red card and a pen, which Griezmann converts. So now it's one nil, and I already know my bet is dead, you know, whatever. But just for good measure, Celta Vigo then outshot them the remainder of the half. Uh, again, so, you know, this Atleti team... I love Simeone. Conceding chance to chance, Shrigalarsson especially, like, it, 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 you know, they're not a good defensive team anymore. Now, neither is Celtic. So that that's where the fun comes in, right? So, you know, we've got two pretty bad defensive teams. You know, this Atleti team, it's just, it's constant and it's pain. And it's it's amazing that in a match where they played up a man for an hour, they were still outshot by an average La Liga team in Celta. I mean, we're not talking about like, you know, Bilbao or even like Villarreal. We're talking about Celta Vigo. Um, so look, I think the number's pretty close to right, but my heart and my gut and everything wants me to bet Celtic. So I, I got to decide if I'm going to put that wager in come come Wednesday. Yeah. It was just, they're not good. No. And, and, and like, it's not like this is a one-time thing where they just, you know, they, they've won seven of their nine matches in La Liga, uh, but, you know, were they great against Sociedad? No, it was a very even match at home. They got outplayed by Feyenoord. Like, they have not been great. They had, I'd say their best performance of the season was when they beat Real Madrid at home, and they were very good in that game. But again, you know, I know people know what I think about Real Madrid too, so just, this is torture chamber yeah. stuff. So I'm going to pass on the torture chamber. I mean, I'm a Simeone supporter, so um, I'm I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, Sandra Tonali apparently is in big gambling debt. Uh, I think it might have been all the Atleti futures he's been tailing from our show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe. Um, we'll save that for the Premier League pod. All right. Um, we don't need to waste our time on Young Boys City. Whatever, City will probably win 3 nothing. Who cares? Um uh, yeah, City's, City's still pretty good. Another sub-1 XG performance for City, but I think that's more worth discussing on the Premier League show. Even, I mean, they won. How, how bad is it if you only create 0.8 XG against Brighton at home? Is that like a... Is that like a it's pretty, I mean, dude, they, they're not taking any shots. Go look at their performances against Fulham and against uh, Forest. Like, between those two matches, I think they combined 14 shots total. It's very weird what's going on. Um, it's just a lot of, like, stale possession where they just can't like you know you know me and my final third of box entry conversion rate that i overuse a lot on this podcast but they're dead last offensively 20th no that i think that's i mean i talked about this on another show i went on friday it's like if that's the kevin de bruyne hole but holland scores because they turned it over high once and hits a 30 yard or 25 yard hit into the corner and they went two one but they weren't good I didn't think I didn't think they were impressive at all. Like Doku versus James Milner, the fact that they didn't score eight goals on that matchup was alarming. I mean, they got one goal out of it on like a mishit by Alvarez. Doku could have beat him every time, and they just weren't hammering that advantage. And then Brighton adjusts, and they got outplayed in the second half. Now they got outplayed up two 0 but you know we'll talk more about them on Thursday. Um, neither of us have anything on Royal Antwerp or Porto. Uh, so the final match of Wednesday, well, it's actually a 12.45 p.m. Eastern match. So, Island match, Barcelona taking on Shakhtar. I actually do have something for this match. I like under three and a half goals uh, at minus 110. Here's the situation that Barcelona is in right now. Similar to what we just said about Manchester City, they are struggling to kind of break down low defensive blocks. They're 17th in final third of box entry conversion rate. And yes, Barcelona keeps winning. A lot of these matches won nothing. But they are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Lewandowski, De Jong, Rafinha, Pedri are all probably going to miss this match because El Clasico is this weekend. And Barcelona is not going to want to risk them. when It sounds like they could potentially come back if they really needed to for this match. But they're not really going to do it. So now you're limited in terms of what you have in attack against a Shakhtar team that, yes, has conceded a lot of goals to begin here in the Champions League. 
they're in a really weird position right now. They just fired their manager on October 16th, and they're under a caretaker manager right now. In their Ukrainian Premier League match over the weekend, you know, they were typically a 4-3-3 team, um, you know, loved obviously press high and, and, you know, try to cause some problems, which, you know, caused some chaotic matches. Over the weekend, they switched to a 4-1-4-1, which leads me to believe that they were testing out a new formation for when they went to Camp Nou to play a very, very defensive low block. And for their first two matches, they were missing their two best defenders. Well, now they're both back and healthy, and which is huge for them going on the road here. So I think this total is a little inflated given the injury situation that Barcelona is in. And also for Shakhtar, Lucina Traore, their best forward, is also injured. So it's it's a game that I could see very well Barcelona winning just like one nothing, two nothing, whatever you might, whatever it might be. Because the Shakhtar at this point, I mean, they obviously got the huge win against Royal Antwerp. They're playing for the Europa League pretty much. And goal differential is probably going to matter quite a bit for it. So Holding Barcelona to a 1-0, 2-0 result at Camp Nou, I think would be a massive result for them. So under three and a half. Yeah, and like you said, Barca's not going to risk anybody ahead of El Clasico. They're not. They're not going to risk anybody with El Clasico coming up this weekend. And they are, they've already won their first two matches in the group. So they're, you know, they're just going to try to eke out a 1-0 win, similar to what they did against Bilbao on Sunday. So that'll do it. But we're going to end out here with the Champions League with our best bets for the match week for match week three. So Anthony, what is your favorite bet for this round of Champions League matches? Galatasaray plus one and a half, minus one thirty five against Bayern Munich. Look, we talked about Bayern at the beginning of the show. It's been a while since we discussed it, but I want to see more from this team to prove to me that they're actually the second best team and that they're deserving of the market rating that they have right now because this is a team that went to mines over the weekend and finished about even on shots a team that went to Copenhagen and couldn't create one XG, a team that looked very inconsistent against Man United for large stretches of that match. We know how much firepower there is. Of course, they could go out and go to, go to Galatasaray, go and, and blow them out, but it's difficult to waste trot, and I think that they're overvalued. I think that you're, you're you know the team that we like the most relative to the market against a Bayern team that I'm now starting to have real questions about. So give me Galatasaray plus one and a half, minus 135. I'll go with the match I just talked about. Barcelona, Shakhtar, under three and a half goals at minus 120. Barcelona, very limited in terms of attackers available. No Rafinha, no Lewandowski, no Frankie de Jong, and no Pedri. And even if they do, even if they are healthy enough, they are going to be saved for this weekend against El Clasico. So you could see a very rotated squad for Barcelona that is kind of struggling to break down low blocks, 17th and final third of box entry conversion rate. Going against a Shakhtar defense that has leaked quite a few goals so far this Champions League, but they were without their two best starting center backs for those first two matches. And they're in a very weird situation where they just fired their manager. They're under a caretaker manager. And over the weekend in the Ukrainian Premier League, they played a 4-1-4-1 and won 3-0. So I'm guessing they're setting up to play some type of very compact, low defensive block. So with a lot of second choice rotational guys for Barcelona, I think you can see a very slow paced stalemate type match where Barcelona wins maybe one or two nothing and controls a large possession, large portion of the possession in this match. So under three and a half in Barcelona and Shakhtar. That'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. Michael Leboff will be back in the host chair for our regular scheduled Thursday morning weekend preview of a huge, huge weekend across Europe with a Manchester Derby and El Clasico slotted in there. So, That'll do it for my for B, for Anthony DeBundo. I'm BJ Cunningham. Thank you to our sponsors from Bet365 and all of our video and audio producers on the back end. We'll see you all on Thursday morning. Good luck with your Champions League wagers this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.